You are now tuned in to the Addicted to Success.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next level game changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on Addicted to Success.com. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share with you a gift from our sponsors, Organifi. And if you head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and type in the code SUCCESS, whenever you purchase an order, you get a 20% discount on any of their products. You know, I've been using the green juice from Organifi for a couple weeks now, and I can absolutely say this one here is a game changer. This is a superfood powder that saves me the time from having to mix five or six uh, different containers of superfood. It's just all there in the packet for me, and I take it every single day, and I feel absolutely amazing. I have that mental clarity I feel a hell of a lot healthier and I get this burst of energy that can only come from a natural substance. And so I speak highly of Organifi and its benefits and I know that there are a number of people out there right now that would love to operate at optimal levels. So if you're looking for something that is not only nutritious but also delicious, then jump on to Organifi, head over to Organifi.com Use a discount code. They've got a number of awesome products right there. I also take the probiotics and the turmeric as well. And I just feel so on point with this awesome line of products. So make sure you head over there. Thank you for checking out this sponsor ad. Let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. We have a new guest here today who I have been hunting down for years now. We've crossed paths a couple of times and I'm just so excited to have him here. He is the best-selling author of the classic book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, and The Leader Who Had No Title. And this is just uh, an awesome uh, opportunity here for you all to really learn from someone who's mastered and is continuing to, to open and expand his mind and to go in on what it means to be a true leader. So Robin Sharma, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Great to be with you, Joel. Congratulations on all your success and impact on so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I was saying to you just before, and I'm sure everyone listening right now can definitely agree that, you know, every time we share a Robin Sharma quote or video or, or an article, it just takes off. You know, and I think there's something about your, your work that really resonates with people. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that share advice, but I feel like they're not really living it, right? And I, I can tell... The way that you create your content is very much so from your own experiences and your own wisdom. And you don't like to just learn the surface level things. You like to dig deep and study history and great philosophers and, you know, titans in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really great to hear your work. And uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, you know, it's a privilege to serve. And um, this morning I, I read a, a book I picked up in Rome recently, and it was really all about Marcus Aurelius. You've probably read his his fantastic book, The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. But, mm-hmm. you know, they said one of the great things about, uh, and I'm just referring to this because you know I love to study some of these um, these true leaders, you know. And they said he was, he, he had the ability to blend being a thinker with being a warrior, with being a philosopher. And so those are the people that really resonate with me. You know, they're leaders, 
And success in the world is something I teach, and it's really important. But I think significance, impact, develop, developing your interior empires, it, that's really the DNA of exterior success and influence. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, this, this whole conversation of like how to have that balance. I'm big right now on this whole holistic success. Like how do you achieve success in health, wealth, you know, relationships? How do you balance your day? Well, um, I get traction from my schedule. You know, I believe that the things that get scheduled are the things that get done. And sometimes people can fall into the trap, Joel, of thinking, well, if I schedule everything, I won't have spontaneity. But someone once said, you know, let planning be your springboard so spontaneity can be your gift. And so I'm really good at scheduling. I have a process. Every Sunday morning, I take one hour. I have a written template because I'm a visual and, and I love to be very tactical. If I put things on my devices, I just don't look at them. And then I do what I call a blueprint for a beautiful week. And on my schedule goes um, everything from my, my meetings to my creative blocks of time to my massages. I call it the two massage protocol. It's one of the habits I teach to times with my loved ones to my 2020-20 formula, which is how I start my day from five to six. Everything go, I download everything onto that weekly blueprint and then I just run the plan. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I love that 2020-20. You know, that's actually something I've implemented uh, into my life and I've been doing that for many years now. I actually heard of it uh, when we were in Vegas. You were speaking at a conference with uh, David T.S. Wood, Lisa Nichols, John Maxwell, and you mentioned the 2020-20 habits. And I I can't remember the specific order, but I think I, I like took the order that you had and I played with it and I found that like, I was kind of experimenting with it and I found that when I wake up in the morning uh, to get up and to, to wake the body and to, to activate that prefrontal cortex first, right? Get the blood circulating, get the oxygen to the brain to then go into that 20 minutes of self-development and then 20 minutes of meditation after I had like learned something to really sit and tie it in. I found that that really worked so well. So uh, thank you for sharing that. That was uh, definitely a game changer for me. Well, you know, I mean, I believe uh, if, the way you begin your day dials in your performance through the day. And that might sound like an obvious point, but I believe that uh, winning starts at your beginning. And I'm actually working on a book on this concept. I've been teaching for 20 years, the 5 a.m. club. Mm. And, you know, just this could be helpful to your viewers. You know, the 2020 formula is simply this. From 5 o'clock to 5.20, you know, that's your, your um, front end pocket where what you want to do is intense exercise. And that's going to create a pharmacy of mastery. You're going to really, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning, cortisol, the fear hormone is at its highest, right? I mean, so that's going to prevent you from being creative, focused, um, and, and, you know, elite performing. So the first thing you want to do is you want to sweat for those 20 minutes because that's going to release BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is going to repair damaged brain cells. Uh, it's going to release serotonin, which is going to make you feel better. It's going to release dopamine, which is going to make you, uh, which is the inspiration neurotransmitter. So you just do that first 20 minute pocket of intense exercise. You're fundamentally going to feel different. The second 20 minutes of the 2020-20 formula, that's when you reflect. You write in your journal. Uh, you re reconnect with your values. Um, you meditate. And then the final 20 minutes, which is learning. And I think learning is also a game changer. You know, as you, as you know more, you can do more. So you do those 
three pockets and you do it consistently because consistency is the mother of mastery and you fundamentally change your creativity, your productivity, your impact and the way you, the way you feel in the world. Love that. I love it because they all tie into each other and, and uh, complement each other. You, you can't really miss one out. They all need to be part of your morning routine. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks yeah, well, for sharing genius, that, genius is less about genetics and mm -hmm. it's a lot more about your habits. And the thing that excites me most about personal mastery and leadership is we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been sold a bill of goods that the icons, the I've been teaching Titans for years. I run the Titan Summit every year. We're going into our fifth year. We've had Richard Branch and Wozniak, et cetera, on my stage. But the seduction of society, Joel, is that Federer and Kanye, Picasso and Mozart, Einstein and Mandela are cut from a different cloth. And that's the big lie of greatness. And what I'm evangelizing and what I've been evangelizing for 20 years is every single one of us has their own form of genius. And that's not some platitude. It's being confirmed by science. But most of us are not taught the mindsets, the heart sets, the health sets, the soul sets, the routines, the rituals, the environments, and the protocols of how to get that done. So we all want world class, but we're not taught how to install world class. And then we believe we can't be world class if what I've said makes any sense to you. I love it, man. You're showing a lot of that passion there. <laughs> Well, well I, I just, we change the world if we get the message out. Exactly, exactly. So I know that, you know, we hear this word mindset quite often, right? But you just said heart set. What's that about? Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, you know, in, in our field, let's call it personal mastery. And I'm also, um, as you mentioned, in the leadership arena. Everyone now is talking about mindset. Okay. Get your mindset right and you're going to be an A player. Get your, you know, Instagram is full of that, right? And you're, you're, you're on Instagram. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I sort of, with, with all due respect, I think mindset without three other sets are, is a hollow victory. Because what makes greatness is not positive thinking. And that's where I think, you know, that's one of the myths of our industry. Because a lot of people read the books and we go to the seminars, we listen to the audiobooks, we go to the podcast, and we understand the psychology of possibility, to use the term from Harvard psychologist Ellen Langer, but we never get anything done and we wonder why. And then we say, oh, the books don't work, the courses don't work. No. You see, you can have the psychology, but if you don't have the heart set, the emotionality, if your heart is full of anger, if you're stuck in the past, if you're resenting, if you're toxic, if you have, if you have a great mindset, but your heart set is a mess, how are you going to go to work and be focused, productive, creative, be great with your customers and breed genius into the marketplace? But it's not only mindset and heart set, this new word I've been teaching. Number three, it's health set. If you, you can have a great mindset, you can have a great heart set, and if you're diseased, you have no energy, you have no, if you haven't rested well, if you're depleted physically and have no vitality, then you're not going to own your game. But it's not only mindset, heart set, health set, what about soul set? And that's what I don't hear so much out in the world anymore. Everyone's like, go out there, be, you know, own the game. And that's great. And I teach that and I've t taught it for 20 years. But the, fi the final interior empire is soul set. 
to actually turn down your chattering ego and have the interior heroism to go out there and live for a cause that's bigger than yourself. And that's what great leaders do. That what, that's what makes a Mandela or a Marcus Aurelius, a Mother Teresa, or a Steve Wozniak. They have, ter- they have done the interior work required. So it's not about them. It's not about fame and fortune. It's about serving humanity for a mighty cause that's larger than yourself. And that's where the great ones play. Oh, man. This is music to my ears. I love this. And, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than me. In all fairness, you've been doing it for a good 20-some years, right? For me, I'd say six years. I've really deep dived into self-development. I've been putting in the practice. I've been you know, applying things that I've been learning. And I have definitely got into a space as like a coach and a speaker now myself of really going like, what's that next level? Like, what's that bigger thing that's bigger than just the surface level? Motivation, motivation, right? It's the inspiration. It's the heart. It's the soul work. Like you said, the soul set. So I love that you bring that up because it's like, it's just definitely something that I believe is actually harder to, to, to put into practice because it demands more of our real self. I, I was uh, listening to this guy. His name is Miles Monroe, incredible speaker from back in the day. He actually died like a few years back. And mm-hmm. he was talking about the importance of character. And so mm-hmm. our character are heavily based off our principles in life. And so many people don't know their principles in life. And so they let so many things sway them. You know, you look at politicians. If, if you know, you see what's going on with the politics right now and the government, especially in the U.S., uh, people don't trust politicians too often because they're based their, their, uh, the way that their character operates based off popular. Whatever's popular, they'll say it instead of principles, which is more solid. And so you want to build trust. You want to be a great leader. It's more about your character. So let's talk about that. Like, How, how do you feel we can really amplify more of a, uh, a character that's really uh, inspiring and real? Well, you know, that's, that's a brilliant question. And... Eleanor Roosevelt said it more elegantly than I ever could, Joel, and she said, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And we're living in a world right now where so many people are spending their lives measuring themselves against other people's breakfasts on Instagram. And, you know, we both know this, but, you know, people on Instagram and Facebook and social media they're showing you what they want you to see and think about their interior lives. Yeah. And a lot of people are in deep pain right now because potential unexpressed turns to pain. We do have this heroic opportunity and we betray it in our lives and we have this well of pain and rather than acknowledging it, we escape to the social media or playing with our phones, etc. My point is really this though. The starting point of private greatness and leadership and living a great life really is authenticity. You know, it really is saying, I don't really care if I have any likes on Facebook or Instagram. You know, I don't really care if I fit into the world in a world where most people are hungry to fit in because you understand that true success is living your life on your own terms. And that's really what leadership, that's the starting point of leadership. You say, Here's who I am. Here's who I talk. Here's my ambition for the future. These are my core values. The world might not subscribe to them, but I understand that every genius was once an eccentric. 
And leadership is a lonely sport. In this world right now where people are measuring success by money, likes, the right handbag, the right watch, to say, you know what, I'm going to talk about character, I'm going to set my own vision, I'm going to be transparent and authentic and honorable, I think that's not only rare, I call these the gargantuan opportunities. Because most people aren't punctual anymore, most people aren't polite anymore, most people aren't incredibly hardworking anymore, most people don't see their job as a craft anymore, most people don't think like beginners versus masters, most people are not humble versus egotistical, most people are not instruments of service. So if you do those things, you're going to differentiate yourself in the market and you really will own the game. But I think it's also what great leaders do. Yeah, and I think the sooner that you understand that, the faster you can move through it. Because I think that you see a lot of these guys, Robin, that you and I know them, you know, these leaders in the game. And it's like some of them take up to 10, 20, 30 years until they get that. It's like the whole giving back contribution thing. I heard that for so many years. But when I really started stretching financially and putting the money down when I didn't have as much as I would have liked at the time, but then getting the feeling of what it's like. Then I was like, oh, now I really get what Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and all these people were saying. I get it now. So this is great that you're sharing this, man. I love that you're sharing this because I think, you know, if we can get it early and start applying, it's going to create a huge shift, you know. But you and I know mastery is a lifelong thing, right? Well, it's a process, you know. I mean, it's very, it's, it's very easy to fall into the hypnosis of seeing concert violinists and A-playing footballers and, you know, musicians and poets and think that they are somehow gifted. And what we don't see is their process. You know, we don't see those 10 years, that 10 years of anonymous. We don't see that they've installed talent hubs. You know, Angela Duckworth of University of Pennsylvania uh, has written this this book called Grit, and she also confirms along with Anders Ericsson, the preeminent researcher in exceptional performance. But she says, you know, if you look at the best of the best in business and in sports, these people are not naturally talented. They have grit. In other words, they have relentlessness, and they also outwork everyone around them. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that, and I also remember... Uh, Anders Ericsson says something about what separates the successful from the very successful was their ability to adapt. Like that was one of the big standout things that he noticed. And so how do you get good at that, man? Do you practice it? Is it this thing of like having to go through the trenches and learn that yourself? Or I mean, what's your view on that? Well, I I think, you know, um, pivoting and being adaptable is a muscle. And so if you go down, I know you're fit and I believe in fitness. And the way you build strength is you go to the jagged edges of your physical potential. You micro tear the muscles. You give yourself some recovery time. You feel depleted and exhausted. You keep on going. And after eight weeks, you have stronger muscles. Well, I believe that pivoting, you know, bravery, uh, learning, confidence, those things, uh, loving, those things are all muscles. And so how do you build a stronger heart? How do you become more loving? How do you become braver and more fearless? You go to the edges of your fearfulness, you tear it all apart, you recover, and then you keep on going and you build strength. Mm, I like that. That's a great perspective. Robin, let's go a little bit deeper here if you're open to this. Absolutely. What have you held as your inner thoughts 
for quite some time that you've that's challenged you it may not be on a daily basis but quite often throughout the week and you know that it's like this thing that comes up for you it might be a limiting belief or it might be like this kind of thought we like i know that's a bad habit and you're mm-hmm. having to like challenge it what's that thing that you've had to challenge lately well i think we're all suffering from this you know i believe that an addiction to distraction is the death of creative production and right now, I mean, the brilliance behind Instagram and the social media and, and technology is it's massively distracting. And in the moment, it feels like you're, you're being productive. And so I call this the tight bubble of total focus, Joel. I believe that you have a choice. You can be distracted and busy being busy or you can do epic work. You don't get to do both. And so just to protect myself. In a world where so few people are doing it and where there are so many shiny toys in the moment and create this tight bubble of total focus where I'm really unavailable most of the time so I can dial in my best work is one of my struggles, but I, it's also one of my best practices. And if I could actually, you know, you want to go even deeper, here's why I call this the neurobiology of genius. And here's why, if you really want to do legendary work, you absolutely have to get away from the world on a consistent basis. I mean, Edison had his Edison had his Menlo lab. You know, I have my dream rooms. These are device-free rooms in my workplaces where they are totally minimalist. There's no technology. There's a pad of paper and a pen. Now, here's the psychology behind it. That, what I call, like I say, the neurobiology of genius. When you get away from distraction, you actually start to singular or isolate a certain neurocircuit related to the thing you're focusing on. Okay? When you isolate a singular neuro, uh, a neurocircuit, you actually start to activate a type of brain cell called oligodendrocytes. When you, I, and that only happens when you're away from distraction. That's why Edison or all these people, they focus. The great footballers or athletes focus. The concert violin, in practice, away from the world they're practicing, you isolate a certain type of brain cell that we all have. We all have genius. Mm. When you isolate that neurocircuit, the oligodendrocyte is activated. It releases a certain type of fatty tissue called myelin. Myelin is the secret of genius. Yeah. Myelin wraps around that brain cell or that neurocircuit. When it wraps around the neurocircuit, you actually start to see things other people can't see. You have accelerated learning time. You respond more quickly. That's why this is the secret, I believe, that most people don't know behind genius. That's why Gretzky could see not where the puck was, but where it was going. That's why Jobs could see where the industries, whether it was Pixar or Apple, he wasn't otherworldly. He just developed a monomaniacal focus, so our natural brain wiring kicked in. I hope that made sense, but if, if any one of your listeners really wraps their brain cells around it, they'll realize they have genius in them too, because that's how our brains are actually wired. Mm, fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Uh, Rob and I, I want to bring in uh, a few members from the Addicted to Success community to give them a chance to answer, uh, ask you any questions. We have one from Carly Benson. She says, does Robin have any advice for writers on the creative process or mapping out a book proposal? I guess she's at that point in, in her career right now too. 
the first thing I'd say is believe in yourself when no one else believes in you. Because when I wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, you know, I it was a self-published book. Everyone laughed at the title. No one believed in me. Books, Some booksellers were rude. I stood at the American Booksellers Conference at the top of the elevator with a cover of my first book around my neck. I did whatever it took to get out there. So that would be the first thing. Believe in yourself, as, as obvious as that sounds. The second thing I would say is don't try to copy the people you admire. Try to find your own voice because the marketplace rewards originality, not copying. The third thing I would say is get good at the craft. You know, we, we all want to be successful, but so few of us are willing to pay the price of daily practice and constant optimization to get good at the craft. And the final thing I would say is play the long game versus the short game in a world that really celebrates the short game versus the long game. All great answers. Thank you. Thanks so much, Robin. Robin, we had a question come in from uh, Kyle Lipton. Actually, just before I bring this in, that's crazy. Uh, you wore you wore something promoting the monkey sold his Ferrari. I didn't know that you had to hustle like that. I thought it kind of came together and and away it went. That's that's insane. Well done. That's. That's the, that's the mass hypnosis that we all fall into. You know, I mean, I've got 4 million people on Facebook, you know, 15 million books sold, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I stood at the, at the American Booksellers Association. The security guard said, get away from here. And I put, as, as foolish as it sounds, I had a book cover around my neck and I shook the hands because I was looking for an agent. My, my first, the, the event we went to, we spoke at in, or where we met in Vegas. I don't know, there were like 2,500 people in the room. My first seminar, 23 people, 21 of those people were my family members. You know, wow. I mean, I started from nothing. I love it. I love the, the story of the climb. That's inspiring, really inspiring. Uh, was it? Do you think it was a, because you were a Canadian <laughs> trying to make it in America? <laughs> no, I, it's because I, I had a mighty mission that was bigger than anything else. I just... You know, I mean, that's why, that's why I say mindset without heart set is an empty victory. It was like my heart. I just, it, it was passion. It was hunger. I wanted to serve. I, I just felt, you know, instinct is so much more powerful than intellect, my friend. And yeah. it, the best decisions I've made in my life when it comes to love as well as business were when I did the crazy thing, but I followed my instinct. When I did the rational intellectual thing, <laughs> never works. Yeah, never worked. Yeah, that was your soul screaming out, going, "No, go that way, go that way." Yeah. You know, it's the old idea: a bad day for the ego is an awesome day for the soul. Wow, that's powerful. Yes, powerful stuff. I. Uh, so, so one of the questions actually that came through was from Kyle Lipton. He asked, "What do you see as the future and innovation of personal development in the next three to five years?" I would say number one, um, all the science that's coming out. You know, for the mystics and, and people like Marcus Aurelius, I mean, Marcus Aurelius lived, uh, he, he reigned Rome uh, and the Roman Empire 161 AD to 180 AD. That was, a, that was 2,000 years ago plus. Yeah. Um, so these mystics, these philosophers, they have said the things that we are now teaching for thousands of years. The beautiful thing is science and neuroscience and research is confirming all of the so-called, you know, aphorisms and principles and philosophy, science is confirming it now. And now finally people are going, oh, I guess it's being research-based, so it works. Uh, so I'm excited about that. 
The second thing is I think we're, we're shifting not only from inspiration in our industry to execution. Mm. And it's great to have books, and, but ideas without results are, you know, they're fool's gold. I think the third thing I'm exciting, excited about is before, you know, this was a niche industry. I started 20 years ago, you know, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, Leadership Wisdom, The Greatness Guide. You know, I've written those books and it was a cottage industry. Um, yes, I've worked with a lot of the Fortune 500, like Nike, FedEx, IBM, and General Electric, but most people weren't interested in self-mastery or leadership. I'm super excited right now. You look at Instagram, you look at the social media, people are really fascinated by the things that we teach. And I think it speaks to our larger issue, which is the world has a lot of darkness, but the world also has a lot of light right now. And it's a great time to be alive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Robin, what's your next level? What's your personal next level right now? Uh, the personal, less less ego, more service. Um, you know, to, to really awaken the Roman warrior in with me, but keep a poet's heart um, to serve more people. To, you know, there's something I teach called the Titan's Decline. I've taught it for many years. And the moment you're successful, you're, in, you're on the path to obsolescence if you're not careful. So um, forget about likes and forget about fame and fortune and really work my craft. And I think um, also I'm excited to be, to, to be a better human being. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's the real game that the legends, and I'm no legend, but that's the real game the legends play. Yeah. No, you keep playing it, you will be. <laughs> Love that. Thank you. And I was going to say, you're a big deal in India, man. I was out there in uh, New Delhi and I walked into this bookstore and I, I don't know how many books. I didn't even know you had that many books. I think it was like maybe they've broken them up into all these like like kind of smaller books, but there was about 15 of them. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they're translations, but you were like all over the bookstores in India. So they love you out there. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget. I was in a car in India going to an event and you know how they have all those people selling all the pirated books on the streets oh, at yeah. stoplights. This little kid, he was like probably 10 years old. You know, he not, knocks on the window, I roll it down, and he's, he's hustling. He's trying to sell me a pirated version of the monk who sold his Ferrari. So. <laughs> it was funny. I said, I said, look at the back. He looked, you know, and this is on YouTube, actually, the actual video. Uh, and he looked and he goes, oh, that's you. And he still tried to sell me the book. So I did <laughs> admire the, the, the guy. That's a good hustle right there. I love it. I love it. So... Robin, I know that your uh, Titan Summit is a pretty big deal. I know that uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about it and they say it's a great event for anyone that wants to up-level their leadership and, and, and personal development. Uh, what, is, what has been a standout, uh, I guess, lesson or experience from you holding the Titan Summit, whether it's like an experience you had with someone in the audience or somebody that you invited in to speak? Well, I mean, that's a great question. We've been running it for many years now. And I think the first thing is you have a lot of entrepreneurs in your global base. And, you know, I, I really stretch it, the Titan Summit. Um, the second one we did, I, I said to my team, we're going to bring in Richard Branson. And, you know, everyone thought I was crazy. And I'm just simply saying that the real game of a great entrepreneur and the real game of a true titan is you don't rest on your past laurels. You know, there was a type of Roman slave called Origa, and he only had one job, Joel. He would stand behind the Roman military commander 
and he would whisper in the commander's ear, memento homo, memento homo, memento homo, which, you know, I don't know how good your Latin is, but translated, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, remember you're only a human. You remember you're only a man. Wow. And so the point I'm trying to say is we're just, a bunch. I'm just an ordinary person, but the moment you think you are a titan and an A player and a legend is the moment you, you get seduced into your own arrogance and you stop doing the things that made you successful. I'm just trying to say one of the things I learned running the Titan Summit every year was just have these brave, ridiculous dreams that the world considers crazy. And, you know, George Bernard Shaw said it so much better than I ever could. He said, the reasonable person adapts the world to himself. He said, the, un- the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. Mm. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Mm. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And so the first lesson was really just be unreasonable. The second thing, Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, was on my stage in Zurich last December. And, you know, he blew my titans away because he said, I made a decision when people weren't nice to me. I would always be nice to them. And here is, you know, one of the legends of industry who he stayed two hours at the Titan Summit and signed everyone's books. You know, he was the most gracious, one of the most gracious people in the room. Um, And I think the final one of the final things I've learned at the Titan Summit is. I call it the 10x value obsession. You know, it's forty thousand dollars a seat, uh, regular tuition to get in. and, And it's really hard to get into my event. I only say that for for this one reason. The reason why people come back and try to get a seat every year is because I have this thing called the 10X value obsession. Yes, they're paying a lot of money, but my obsession is how can I give them 10 times the value of their tuition fee so they're gonna fight to get back in the room every year. And that's why it's been so successful. But I'm simply saying like, no matter what you do, you have a choice. You can play the game most people play, which is a game of scarcity. you know, how can I deliver as little of, as value as possible and get as much money? Or you can do what very few people do and play in the generosity economy, which is how can I serve? How can I give ridiculous amounts of value to my customers so they fall in love with what I do? And that, I think, is the recipe for fanatical fans and true longevity. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, I, when I look back at my life, I know the times where I financially stretched where I made a financial commitment to something where I was like, whoo, this is heavy, right? But I knew there was a part of me that was like, you need this. This is the stretch. Uh, something happens. Like once I put the money down, the 10,000 or the 15,000 to work with a coach or a mentor or you know someone that's walked that path many years before me, uh, I just found that I doubled down on everything. I absorbed the information, like way more information. I was applying the things that I wouldn't usually apply if I just watched a YouTube video or even listened to a podcast. Like I was just like really in it and committed. So I get that, you know, you get some serious people in that room and, you know, if you're, if you're listening, you know, Robin's the real deal and you want to be a Titan, it's a place to be. Well, you know, you're also hinting at the importance of learning, and I call it the 2x, 3x mindset. To double your income and your impact, do what all the billionaires and the eight players and the titans of industry do. To double your impact and income, triple your investment in two key areas, your personal mastery and your professional capability. And when I was starting out, even now, I mean, one of the best things I did was, you know, audiobooks, learning, 
a conference every three months. And, um, you know, I just think, and you also mentioned doing what frightens you. And, you know, society says if you're frightened and if your hands are shaking and if you're sweating, you're doing something wrong. But your growth, your greatest growth lives where your biggest fear lies. Mm -hmm. And you know this, but the true icons of industry are consistently terrified. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I, and, you know, you, you teach leadership, right? That's your thing. That's your number one thing. So to be a great leader, like it requires courage. And I think sometimes it's not always like a consistent flow of courage. It's sometimes you need bursts of courage. That's all. And then when you get on the board and you start rolling and you get that momentum, you're good. Well, that's, that's such an important point, which is leadership isn't linear. You know, and neither is life. Like I've had times in my life where I've been in tremendous suffering and pain because life has hurt me. And society teaches us, Joel, rush out of those times. But Haruki Murakami, the great Japanese novelist, said, the person you become when you come out of the storm is not the person you were when you went into the storm. That's the purpose of the storm. <laughs> and so... You know, my times in the valley of suffering and pain and heartbreak and chaos, I've learned that those are treasures and I've learned through, you know, I wear my, my scars with great pride, but I actually learned those are times of great gold. Mm -hmm. And I try to stay in those wilderness periods as long as possible because that's what forms my philosophy. Those are the, my pain has given me true power. True power, not fake power. My suffering has taught me strength. My wounds have delivered wisdom. And so stay in the wilderness and the painful times. And then when it's the, the sunshine of the world and success, enjoy those times as well. And you're right. It's, it's a pulse. It's, life is a series of seasons and so is leadership. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. So Robin, thanks so much, mate. This has been awesome. This is, this is like, I, to be honest, there's like so many gems. So I, anybody that's listening right now, I hope you have your notepad and a pen and I hope you're writing all this down and applying, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, this is a powerful session. Thank you so much, Robin. Robin, where can we find you online? Uh, so I'm, I'm really active on the social media. Um, we've got a, a strong base uh, on Facebook. Uh, so they can find me, Robin Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A, on Facebook, also on Instagram, like you, Joel. I love Instagram a lot. It's just, I don't know, it's it's fun. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I have a podcast, which uh, millions of people are following every month. It's called The Mastery Sessions, The Mastery Sessions. You can just Google it and find me all over YouTube with those. Um, also, I have a resource for your, for your many viewers. It's called The Mental Mastery Toolkit. It's a high content tool and resource that will help you really dial in the mindset uh, that we talked about. And you can just find it at thementalmasterytoolkit.com, thementalmasterytoolkit.com. And then I, I run an event every year. You mentioned the Titan Summit, which I've been running for many years. That's not for everyone. If, if you're, some of your people are interested, I will welcome them with open arms. Uh, but I'm very excited about the uh, personalmasteryacademy.com. I run it every June. And it's 
two days on the neurobiology of genius, the rituals of A players. It's really world-class information along with a community that is unparalleled. So anyone who wants to visit with me and show up at Personal Mastery Academy, uh, just go to personalmasteryacademy.com and all the details are there and I'd love to be of service and, and be helpful. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, thanks for the Mental Mastery uh, Toolkit as well. That's a great gift. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, awesome stuff. Robin, at the end of every interview uh, that, we, that I do, uh, I always ask this last question, right? And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Your parting advice. I would say two things. I said, I would say... Um, the world needs more heroes right now. Don't wait for them. Become one of them. And the second thing I would say is I would use the, the words my father used to repeat to me when I was growing up, using the words of a, a, a poet named Rabindranath Tagore. And my dad used to say, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. He said, son, live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. And Joel, I'm simply suggesting in the world where so many of us are chasing shiny toys of so-called success that I believe at the end will amount to nothing. You know, I, I wish all of your many viewers remember that to lead is to serve. And to live a great life is to do really um, release your potential and show up at your best. And secondly, be ridiculously helpful to as many people as possible.